This is exactly right. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, a journalist, author, and podcast host. And I'm Paul Holes, a retired investigator with experience solving some of America's most notorious cold cases. Together, we host Buried Bones, a historical true crime podcast on the Exactly Right Network. Each week, we examine a different case from history and use our years of experience and 21st century forensics to bring new insights into these very old tragedies. Like the time the Sausage King of Chicago's wife went missing in 1897. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Buried Bones wherever you get your podcasts. Scotty, ready? Curdy, I walked to Starbucks because we're recording in the morning. I don't normally even drink Starbucks, but I am cold brewed to another planet right now, so I am very ready. Here it is. Chinese couple sues insurance firm for refusing to honor policy with a $1,400 payout for decision to live happily ever after. Wow. I Okay. <laughs> it's a wild story. It's very That weird. is a wild story. I, all of those things I didn't know yes. were possible. Um, but I will say, I do want to hear more about that on a brand spanking new episode of the Lovely Bananas podcast. gals, non-binary pals, welcome to the Bananas Podcast. I'm Kurt Brownler. I am Banana Boy number two, Scotty Landis. Thank you for listening to the silliest little podcast there ever was. Thank you for all your DMs. Thank you for sending all your hashtag unexpected bananas. We're just happy to do this podcast for you. We're here in December. It's a beautiful time of year. Mm. Things are getting really nice. And you yes. know what's even nicer, Scotty? Tell me all about it. Our guests today. Oh, good segue. Our, <laughs> <laughs> Natural and smooth. Am, I am really good at segues. Yes, sir. You know, I'm my like I am I honestly very bad at segue. Like all of my stand up, as you know, has no segues. It just goes from topic to topic. I don't like segues. I dislike connective tissue. I agree. Uh, and I'm in charge of the connective tissue on my other podcast. I love my kid. And it right. and I f- fuck it up. Like every single time. It's amazing. It's a great podcast. Uh, here it is. Our guests today are a husband and wife duo. Yes. Uh, she is a young adult author who's written a ton of fantastic books. He is a very funny comedian who just happens to have played Little Pete 
and the Adventures of Pete and Pete, which was my favorite kid show on Nickelodeon in the 90s. And now they are husband and wife novelists, which I love wow. because I write with my wife. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about. They have an adult rom-com out right now called The First Date Prophecy, and their new book, Road Trip Rewind, will be released in the spring of 2024. Please welcome Kate and Danny Tamborelli. Woo! I mean, goodness gracious. That was you've, great. Your intros are... Your segues might be shit, but those intros are fire. <laughs> I, I put all my effort into the intro. <laughs> it is true. Welcome to Bananas, guys. Hi, Thanks guys. for having us. How, Congrats on finishing a second, another book I know. together. I Creative endeavors with uh, like any t- like your partner. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be difficult. So congratulations. That's very impressive. Thank you very much. That is too kind. Uh, do you yes, guys? It is. So it like is my, something. The only way my wife and I can do it is by doing therapy every week. Uh, do you guys have <laughs> couples therapists? I thought that's what bananas was. That's why we're here. Yeah. So in its own way. <laughs> uh, we talk. We we're we're of the talk it out mentality and then sometimes the walk it off mentality uh-huh important mostly i have I to walk it I'm off i'm not a big walk it off but he is <laughs> i just need a minute i just gotta figure this out um do you guys feel oh, like you cool. have like settled into roles with it i feel like with my wife uh she is much better than i am at structure and realizing whether or not characters make emotional sense. sense. <laughs> yeah, logic matters. Where, yeah, like logic stuff, and I'm much better at like making jokes. And so it like, I need emotion. Well. Is this a sad the person's mother dies. Is this supposed to be sad? That's right. So do you guys have you guys figured out specific roles that you guys uh, naturally move towards? Uh, you know, some of it, like we do very much together. Like the pl- I was never a big plotter before with some of my YA novels. Like I literally, I had no idea what was going to happen. I would be mm. two thirds through and be like, this is like some, like I've written so many words. I got to wrap this up. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. So Needs we, an we were, you know, going to write one together and we were trying to write chapter by chapter because they're both um, dual POV. So we each have our own responsibilities, ah, writing like fun. a woman, he's the man. So, you know, we, uh, we plotted it out much more than I ever had before. And that was Danny. That was really Danny coming in. I had never collaborated with anybody. Never really thought I would, to be honest. I'm pretty type A when it comes to most things, writing included. So I don't think it would have worked with anyone else. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we had to have a plan going in or we would have been just wasting our wasting our time. So yeah, he, I, I could never more about that. the plotting. But I hear the, what you said, what you said, Kurt, about the what your wife's role. Uh, I think you could, you know, you're big on the humor parts. And then it's about making sure it's like not too slapsticky. The emotions are thanks all there. For, thank, thanks for bringing that up, Kurt. Appreciate that. I'm gonna, <laughs> talking to you for book three now. Thanks. <laughs> the revising too. I'd say I'm a little bit more. Danny reads and says thumbs up. I read and I say here's the hundred things I want to talk about. <laughs> so, I should. Ma- I, should I put all the effort good. into writing it in the moment. I read once it's written. I'm like, oh, that's good. This is good. <laughs> yours, yours is great. You've written four books. Of course, yours is good. I don't have to worry about it. Well, Rewriting and notes are tough. I'm a I'm a literary agent by day. Like that's my that's my full time day job. Oh, so I work gotcha. with writers, you know, authors all the time. I'm much more sensitive with them than I have to be with Danny. So it's been really freeing to be like, mm. you know, let my notes all hang out. See, Kurt, <laughs> Kurt's a product of the New Jersey public school system. Did you double space? 
Yeah, double space. But no, I was yeah. Catholic school Jersey. Jersey Catholic oh, okay. school. Okay, yeah. sorry. No, I mean it's they're similar. They're similar. You still, you still get beat up. You mean the two yeah. the two spaces after the period. That's um, what really yeah, wrangles. That's the one me. that really wrangles are the two yeah. spaces after period. Oh, I don't that's do two spaces after a period, but I do. Okay, not. well do they teach you they didn't <laughs> I teach do you use they Oxford did? commas oh. though. Mm. That's okay. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. I have a question for you, Kate. Since you probably have to read a lot of manuscripts with your job, have they moved the period outside of quotation marks in the last year or two? I've noticed it's so different all of a sudden. I certainly do not. And I when I'm when I'm tweaking things, I always it's like so satisfying to like put it back inside the quotation. Do you know what I'm talking about though? Because all I, of a sudden I see it, especially on online articles and every. I'm like, no, but it doesn't go there. It doesn't look right. It doesn't no. look right. I don't accept okay. that. Thank you. I don't you. accept that. Ally, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's driving me nuts, but it's like post 2020, everybody's like, let's just put that period outside of the quotation marks. I'm like, but I swear do that's it. not how it's supposed to be. That's so strange. No, I don't understand. Okay, and good. if anyone tells me that's right, I, I still won't understand and I still won't do it. Beautiful. I feel comforted. I'm ready for the rest of the episode now. It's been driving me nuts. Um, and Danny, I just want to let you know that um, I did recently buy the DVD of uh, season one uh, of Pete and Pete for my kids Pete Pete? to watch. And For your my kids to watch? Yes. yes. And my six-year-old loves it. And she's like super into it. <laughs> Man. I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten how fucking weird that show is. So weird. Yeah. So weird. So that means your kid's weird, and that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's important. That's uh, right. It's very nice to see the, the kids who grew up watching and showing their kids. It's like we actually did something good. Do Yeah. Have you heard <laughs> right. that a lot? Yeah, no, we have, and that's nice. like it's really like you know, here's my emo. I'm gonna I'm gonna be emotional now. That's like that's probably the best thing that I hear, other than your show changed my life, right? Which is also very that's nice and nice. comforting. Yeah, but to know that it mean meant so much that you pass it on to your kids, you know, I'm not gonna show my kids Babysitters Club. I was in it, the, the VHS, because I was a little shit brat. And I don't want them getting any ideas. <laughs> Pete and Pete's a little more like, you know. Yeah. I, I could figure out if he was talking to some guy in tights, you know, walking down Eastern Parkway in Crown Heights mm-hmm. where I live. And I, know, I did not realize until I watched it with my child that that's Toby Huss. And yeah. I love yeah. Toby Huss <laughs> so deeply. <laughs> and then when I found out that he was... That he was also that part. I was like, oh my god! I, I was, I it, it was crazy your that mind I was exploded. like, I, yeah, my mind exploded. Well, see, I had it the opposite. I kept seeing him and everything after Pete and Pete being like, all right, like, oh, was it a uh, down Periscope? And I was like, oh, I saw him in down Periscope. All right, man. And he was kind really of good in um, holding Catch Fire. That's a great yeah, show. Yeah, uh huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? The only problem was because I know him, uh, his portrayal in Dickinson kind of pissed me off because he's kind of shit in that and I'm like oh Toby you fucking shit like, <laughs> uh, so actually he's doing a really good job he made me think he was someone else but I knew who he was in real life and I'm like nah, nah this guy's not yeah. like that he's not that's not like that this. dude <laughs> um, so do you guys want to hear about this um, love insurance policy I yeah. figured it's it was it's a love insurance it's policy. a love insurance but I figured it was on topic since you guys wrote a, a romance novel or not a romance novel but a rom-com um, so and we're in love. And you're in love. Yeah, we're also in love. Mm-hmm. And we have insurance on it. 
<laughs> yeah, you have to lock it down. Once you, once you write these books, once you write these books, you are like, oh, you know, oh, so the first book has a little bit of, you know, our story in it or whatever. So then it's like, is this nonfiction fiction? It's fiction, <laughs> but we got to keep the love together. So uh, uh, $100,000 policy. It's not that much. It's just, you know, it's it's, it's not like a full life. It's not full life insurance. It's just, right. you know. That's enough for a U-Haul when U-Haul's like nineteen ninety nine in town, and then you drive it around town, and you turn it back in, and it's $95,000, and you're like, how did this happen so quick? It's like, we count by the inch. It's a dollar an inch that you drive. Uh, so this was uh, this was sent in by Steve Shinners. Steve sends a lot of Very good, good stuff in. Mm-hmm. Um, this was in the South China Post. I'm reading that daily. All the time. And this is mm-hmm. the way they wrote it. I don't know. Um, so it says, love cover, China couple. I always thought China, China couple sue insurance firm for refusing to honor policy with U.S. $1,400 payout for decision to mm-hmm. live happily ever after. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is written by... I bet they're um, good. Yating Yang in Beijing. Oh. So good. Best in the biz, Yating. Yeah, he, she, or they are, are awesome at what they do. A married man in China who successfully sued an insurance company for failing to honor a love insurance policy that had a marriage payout of 9,995 won, a U.S. 1,400, has attracted much support on mainland social media. Uh, Liu Zhangming from Sichuan province in the southwestern China uh, bought the insurance policy in March 2018 as a surprise for his girlfriend? I don't... That's what? nice. That's <laughs> I nice. guess so. It's yeah. presumptuous is what it is. They're not even married yet? <laughs> yeah. So the couple first met in high school, and the relationship started when they both went to university. The policy stipulated that if the couple married between three and ten years after the policy was purchased, specifically between March 2021 and March 2028, they would receive a payout of 9,995 won. This is crazy. Um, However... I love this. After the couple tied the knot on December 1st, 2022, and submitted the required claim documents, the insurance company refused to pay despite multiple complaints. Uh, Liu told the Jimun News that many consumers had purchased this love insurance, and the company's Mm -hmm. own promotions said more than 15,000 people had placed orders for the policy, (laughs) according to the company's official Weibo Weibo account. At the time, three tiers of love insurance were available, <laughs> with premiums ranging from 99 to 297 won and up to 495 won. I'm saying won, or it's maybe yawn. I don't know. Um, U.S. $70. The 99 won tier had a payout of 1,999 won, but Lou had opted for the 495 won tier, the highest level with a payout of The highest one. That's the highest <laughs> one. Frustrated, I don't understand why this company is offering this and then not paying it. Frustrated by the insurance <laughs> yeah. company's refusal to pay, he took it to court seeking payment. He lost the first trial because the court agreed with the company's defense that love was not an emotional relationship, which that love was an emotional relationship, was which does not fall within the scope of insurance regulations. Yeah, and the insurance wait. contract was therefore invalid. <laughs> That's such a crazy argument. That's the best answer ever. That's the best answer. That's fine. They, they offered yeah. it. They offered it. Yeah, I know. Like, That's oh, what they're saying. Impossible. They're like, no, I'm sorry. We can't. We, we actually can't. We can't do it. Our hands are tied. Our hands it's are like, tied. It's like the guy. It's like the guy that like puts up a big. 
you know, tab at the deli for his office and then doesn't pay it. And then, (laughs) and then the, and then the company's like, Oh, I guess we're going to go out of business. And the guy keeps trying to hit him up and hit him up. And he's like, Hey, I I'd love to, but my, my lawyer says I can't because I'm, I'm going through bankruptcy. I can't pay you. This sounds like you ran up a tab at a deli, Danny. Danny, (laughs) what did you do? I, uh, Canicious for everyone. Truth, truth. I'm just. I was just trying to be relatable. It does sound like something very. It's a very Jersey. It's a very Jersey thing to do. Yeah, we're gonna start this LLC. It's called Danny T's. Uh, Danny T. Danny T's Incorporated, and uh, we were only in business for three months. I racked up a big tab, and I closed up shop. When I was a temp in right off Columbus Circle, I worked for a big. um, I think it was called Avalon. It was like a huge real estate company in New York. And it was a relatively new building. It was when they were like building all those new glass buildings up around Columbus Circle. So my jobs were bizarre. One of them was moving all the vice president's offices to opposite sides of the building. And they wanted everything placed no. a mirror image of how it was in the other office. <laughs> so like, I don't know, if you had four family photos and it was like son, daughter, wife, and then you took it to the other side and the desk was facing the other way, you'd have to do wife, son, daughter. Like, And so it was actually, I would have to draw diagrams and then like turn around. It was very difficult. But the funniest so part wait, was- actually mirror image? Like- in a op in the op opposing order, right? Oh, so that's yeah, that hurts my brain. Yeah. So if they were sitting in their office and the glass was to the left side looking out, and then you flipped the building so it was to the right side, the way their desk was positioned, I would have to put all the furniture, photos, everything in the desk. Like I, so I would have to open desk drawers, and these guys also never showed up for work. Right. It was crazy, and they had like <laughs> photos with the presidents. I think they had like photos with Bill Clinton and stuff on the wall. Um, but like you would open the drawers and so if you had, you know, five books in the upper right hand drawer, when you switch the office, it'd be those five books were in the upper left hand drawer. And so it was nuts. And one of them just had a t- the largest drawer in their desk was the lower right. And it was just full of ketchup packets and salt and pepper packets from <laughs> delivery. Like maybe two years worth of just condiments. And I had to move all of those. I was getting $18 an hour from one desk (laughs) and then carry it across a huge office and put it in there like, here, bozo. Uh, I should have just bought him a bottle of Heinz. (laughs) Anyway, the reason it was totally and absolutely insane. Um, But the reason I bring it up is I don't remember anymore. Oh, uh, delivery. So the woman that worked in HR that hired me every day would get two giant deli platters from Carnegie Deli. When it was right near Carnegie Deli, and every day nobody would touch it That's at amazing. all. And then at the end of the day, she would take one home and she'd be like, Do you like pastrami? I'd be like, Yes. She's like, Well, why don't you make four or five sandwiches and take those home with you? So for the two or three weeks I was a temp, every day I would make just giant, giant deli sandwiches. sandwiches. Nobody ate it. Things of coleslaw and potato salad. <laughs> Huge tubs of deli mustard, like pints of deli mustard. It would always, there would day. always be the thing when you got it from like Carnegie <laughs> Deli. It would be the most mustard and the most mayonnaise, and no, like yes. even if people made sandwiches all day long, it would get down like by one eighth, and then the whole yes. thing would just be thrown out. Yes, so I started bringing a backpack to work. I hadn't been doing that to that point where I was just putting a pound of provolone and a pound of corned beef, you know, just putting on weight the whole time, too. 
But every single day, that deli would d- deliver a probably $250 worth of deli meat trays for that woman to steal. And then she was like, you're in on it, kid. Corporate theft. That actually makes me rem- I-, I told this story years ago on Bananas, and then I asked Katie to cut it. And now I'm going to actually just tell it for real. Do it. Is I remember when I lived in New York City, I we... For some reason, it was like four in the morning, and we're in the on uh, in the meatpacking district, and we're outside mm-hmm. of Western Beef. Do you guys remember that place, Western oh, Beef? Yeah. Mm-hmm. West mm-hmm. Beef, sure. Um, and a truck had pulled up, and the back was open, and uh, there was just boxes of <laughs> pork loin. <laughs> Yeah. And for some yeah. reason, I was very drunk, and I don't even remember why, but I just like just casually walked up and grabbed. Mm-hmm. I think it was a forty-five pound box of pork loin. Put it on my shoulder and walked home. <laughs> Just kept walking. <laughs> I woke up in the morning, and all my roommates are like, "What the fuck are we gonna do with forty-five pounds of pork loin?" And they were all in these big, long, beautiful like strips. And so then, for years in our freezer, there was and like we would try and eat it, you know, like take it out and like cut. <laughs> big pieces of pork loin off and like make it you know but it was like it's like for a restaurant like to be used in things and it was just i like i remember moving out and there was still i think like 15 pounds of pork loin in that freezer those are expensive that's like 75 dollars a pork loin like that shit's expensive you're a master thief thief. well is it's between petty and grand larceny that's that's right i thought you were gonna say you drunkenly forgot to refrigerate it and you woke up the next morning and had 45 pounds and that would have been really heartbreaking. That's Kate. That's Ooh. Kate's biggest fear. She's she's uh, <laughs> under under forty five degrees. We have very different opinions about everything. Has to be yeah. Yeah. When when food goes bad, mm, I I eat opinions. pumpkin pie that hasn't been refrigerated in three days. I don't give a. Fuck. You fed our four year old most likely okay. rancid hummus. The other okay. day, it did know, not. So. It was not. Ran- it was only by like five days over the <laughs> best pie. Mm. Those dates, I never know when. It to doesn't trust matter. It. <laughs> open the date. See, she'll tell you. Yeah, the date. Once you open it, then it's the then then the time starts. Your, your dad once said that about almond milk that had been open for like three months <laughs> okay. but hadn't passed the date that it would still be okay because the expiration date. Like the rules change. Yeah, he, uh, the he also he also grew up with a Jersey public education. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, do you have to go into the office these days, or are you able to be a literary agent on the um, on the no, remote yeah. life? I'm pretty much. Cool. Cool. Congratulations. Yeah, it's funny. I started doing it like, started working from home. That was like six months or so before the pandemic, like after we had our first kid. So I felt like I was like training for the marathon without knowing. So then when everyone else was working from home, I was like, I've been doing this. Like, I got this. Yeah, that's great. What a great feeling just to ease into it. The best. If you can work from home, it's, and a lot of people can't. I mean, a lot of people do miss the structure of going in the office or just, the social life of the small office gossip, but boy, if you get used to it, it's incredible. I would have been sad in my 20s. Like, being in publishing, it was really important, like, to know other assistants, to be able to bitch about things to get, you know, like, you need that, like, you, you need that, the camaraderie. those relationships. Yeah, you need the yeah. camaraderie, but, like, at a point then, you know, you, it, yeah, you, you have those relationships, but you can, like, sit at home in your sweatpants and still have those relationships. <laughs> Isn't it funny, yeah. though, when you are in an office, especially a big office, and you've worked with somebody, say, for 
three years and then you discover something about their personal life that you had <laughs> no there was a woman that Kurt and I worked with who was a receptionist very nice person at this TV company and then I just found out that every day after work she went and taught spin classes and I had no idea and it made her so much more interesting to me because I just imagined everybody like going to their sad New York apartment she's like no I go teach like two hours of spin every night and I'm like well now I want to be friends with you <laughs> Before I just said hello and good night, and now I'm like, well, tell me what's up with that. <laughs> How are you um, on your leaderboard? Yeah. <laughs> Can I get free classes? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, usually it, that's what you see something that somebody's doing that's interesting. And you just you become interested just enough to see if you can get something out of it free. Correct. That's New <laughs> York lifestyle. I think it depends to like how early on if you become like Instagram friends or because the, then you learn things that way, and then you Brutal. pretend maybe you haven't learned them depending on if they follow you. You know, so that's this feels very fresh as to us meeting parents at uh, taking our kid to preschool and then meeting people and like realizing that now we've like, oh, Lord. we sort of have to like start. So, you know, you have your, we've you had, do? I've had my set of friends. She's had her set of friends and now our son's going to have his set of friends and the parents that come along with it. And then, you know, you know, you found, you find their name in the email and then you just casually, well, I'm just going to check and see <laughs> if they're on Instagram. Oh, Oh wow! This guy's. You know, I found out that one of my kids' dads is also a bass player, and I was like, "Cool!" And I knew that already. And then we we had like something at the school, and we actually met. And he was like, "What do you do?" And I was like, oh, "You know, I do a bunch of things. I play bass. Oh, I play bass too. Oh, re you pretend like you don't know, and that it just happened in the moment. You're like, you're like, you're like, oh man, I just, I just lie. My first encounter with this new friend, I'm just lying to your face. And what's, how is this going to come back to bite me in the ass? Oh, I shouldn't have liked that Instagram post on accident. <laughs> That's also, but it's lucky to meet. It is very lucky to meet a parent." That your kid of and that your kid likes their kid and you like the parent because what after I had kids I was shocked and amazed at because for so long just being in comedy everyone I met was like pretty interesting to some or level. funny or funny yeah. at least if they're not interesting mm -hmm. they're very funny and then all of a sudden I was like oh my god look at how many like duds of human beings that exist out there <laughs> it's like shocking it's like the majority of the world is a dud of a human oh being. And yet they're having sex and with each other. And they're having sex and they're making kids and my kid loves their kid. And then my interesting oh, friends that are comedians are all like, you have kids? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> That'll slowly change. Um, yeah. Oh, and then they'll uh, be the old one. They'll be like, oh, you know, I'm 45. I just had my first kid. He's like, well, your lower back is going to be fucked, dude. <laughs> Good luck. I can attest. <laughs> I was say, you're not far away from that. You said okay, cool, cool it, cool it. I got, th I got 37 and 40, okay? That says, I, I, those are Pretty milestones good. for me, yeah. Go, Scott, um, you want me to tease us in? I'll tease us under a break, Kurt. How about it. that? Okay, Grace sent this in. It's Ace Griverson. Thank you, Ace Griverson. Sent it, I think, in like August. We're, we're catching up. And Kurt, if you did this one, please stop me. I have other stories. Uh, scientists 
scientist wears a giant bird head to earn the trust of wild birds fails miserably. Fails miserably. <laughs> this sounds like what I would have done, and I am okay. very surprised I have not found it. I don't think you did. No, I don't think I did because I'm very excited to hear about this. I'm pretty uh, sure I'm, I'm pretty st- sure my 6th grade science teacher who hated all the kids told us to do that and go outside and dress as a woodpecker and see what happens. Well, I think this will give us uh, all a lot to squawk about when we come back on, come on. Uh, on bananas. <laughs> bananas. Hey, folks, we are Scotty, got any shout-outs? I sure do. Uh, our dear friend uh, and Bananimal, who listens to Bananas and came to Splitty in the City, Erica Rankin. Kurt, you worked with her on Green Braze Guide. I sure did. Uh, she had a baby last week, so congratulations to Erica and Austin on your first healthy, oh, first baby who is also healthy. Um, and thanks for listening. I bet Erica listens more now that she has to feed a baby. Um, <laughs> Anna Stip. Polkowski, Anna Stipolkowski wants to shout out Allie. Allie got Anna and her husband Sam hooked on bananas. And Allie, this is this is great. Allie recently forgave Anna for scheduling regular email messages to her work email that said jizz in the subject and the body of the email. <laughs> Just regularly firing off those jizz emails. So thank you, Allie, for having a sense of humor. And Anna, awesome work. Uh, Cassidy Moore wanted to shout out her Corgi Mia for winning first place at Corgi Racing. And also wants to shout out her other corgi, Floyd, who tied for fifth but tried very hard. <laughs> uh, she sent a video, Kurt. It's in our DMs. We'll send it to you. Okay, it's very great. funny. And last but not least, Emmalyn Luck, uh, a.k.a. Emmy, wants to shout herself out. Emmy overcame uh, tough mental health struggles over the last year and is working hard with mental health professionals to overcome her anxiety and depression. Emmy says to all the banana uh, bananimals, Go bananas for mental health. To all bananas, just keep going. Even when you feel like you can't, you're stronger than you think you are. Thank you, Emmy. Yes, I say banana of the week. Banana of the week. Also, my sister's name as well. One of my many sisters is named Emmy. So, uh, soft Emmy Luck, banana of the week. Uh, keep going, Emmy. You're doing great. That's all I got. Excellent. Also, big shout out to the Phoenix women's rugby team. Oh, hell Those yeah. Those who, 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 <laughs> bananas is a sponsor, and they have the bananas logo on their uniforms, and it looks so cool. The fire bananas. Yeah, I asked I'm for a sure team the, photo. The smeared so. blood all over the those jerseys look great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're cool. We love those Phoenix women's rugby. And of course, we are here with the wonderful and fantastic author duo, mm. married as well duo, uh, Kate and Danny Tamborelli. Hi guys, tell us about the. So, are you promoting the book that you just came out, or the book that's just about to come out? Yeah, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, just uh, right now that book's out and available. So that's that's what you can first sink your prophecy. teeth into. Yeah, first, first aid prophecy. prophecy. And hey, if you don't know how to read, we made an audio book too that I did half and uh, Mara Wilson did the other half. Wow, Mara cool. Wilson. So, know, you know, right? that's a, that could be a fun yeah, thing, good. especially if you don't read, mostly if you don't read. 
<laughs> if you like, no I'm a big no audible guy. I will listen to it. Yeah. Well, nobody wanted to. You, yeah, you bowed out. Make, you bowed yeah, no, out. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't offer myself up. But I didn't want to subject anyone to my voice for you know half a book. Oh, except for this. Mara, I knew Mara would voice. do a much better job. <laughs> <laughs> so, are they sequels? Are they connected? Are the two books uh, series? They're, they're companions. So, yeah. so pro- that's a term I learned. I just recently, well, not recently, but since you know, uh, dating and then marrying an author, I found out what a companion book is, which is gotcha. one that's in the same world, but they're standalone. So you can read one without having to read the other. But if you read them both, it's like you know, it's like two thirds of a Neapolitan ice cream. That is is nice. there going to be a third third of the Neapolitan? <laughs> Is strawberry coming? Well, (laughs) that's weird because that was my neighbor's dog, and he was always humping. (laughs) Strawberry was always coming. Strawberry coming? (laughs) Strawberry coming? Well, give him a minute. And yep, no, he's done. (laughs) It's fine. We wrote the we wrote the first book when we had one kid. The second book when we half when I was pregnant, half when we had two kids. So time's gotten a little <laughs> harder, but I don't know. Maybe I mean we had a lot of fun, and there's there's an um, idea. There's, there's an, an idea. idea. There are two the two the commonalities between. So there's two brothers who were both mm-hmm. like big '90s child actors uh-huh. um, on a show, very much like Pete and Pete. Mm-hmm. And this is called Black Hole Sons. Black Hole Sons. But S O N S. Get in it? New Jersey, <laughs> you know, New Jersey suburbs. Uh, brother aliens. But um, so the first one, the first brother, Rudy, in First Eight Prophecies, very much like Danny's story. I mean, gotcha. if you want some embarrassing Danny anecdotes, the book is full of them. Write <laughs> what you know. I, that's I what like I did. Eighty-five percent of what makes Rudy like backstory-wise, you know, came from something, something in Danny's life. What um, was fun. what was the most surprising one? That you, that cause sometimes I just wrote them and didn't say this was real or not. Oh, I guess the ketchup story. I found out that he walked out because it's very, you know, it's about first dates, living in yeah. New York, being single, how brutal it is. Um, and I, I discovered through something Rudy in the book did that I found out Danny did as well that he walked out in a first date because she didn't like ketchup and she didn't approve of him putting ketchup on his fries. <laughs> I was at the seventh. I was at the Seventh Street Cafe on Seventh and Avenue A. And they have, uh-huh. a, they have a dynamite tuna. Well, they had a dynamite tuna melt, and that place no longer exists. Uh, which I guess, on the other end, if you're on a first date and you're having food and, the, and you're, you know, your date Bold is, getting a, is a, getting a tuna melt, I, I, my bad. I, I can, I can, yeah. get, I can get that. But I, I can't help it. It's delicious. <laughs> it, was my, it was my favorite thing to get there. And so I didn't care. But a tuna melt needs a little bit of ketchup for a little dip dip. So do the fries. <laughs> and she was did not like ketchup. She made it a point that she didn't want it on the table. She didn't she want really it didn't, on the she table. Didn't, yeah, there okay. was something weird about it. Like for real, she was like, "I'm not sure yeah. Yeah, about that's... ketchup." And I was and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to use this ketchup thing and get the hell out of here." <laughs> get the so hell out of here. Did you say that I'm just I'm going to leave, or did you just get up and no, leave? I no, I just. Uh, uh, I kind of I put some sh- some showmanship into it. You did just a little just a little bit of sh- showmanship. Yeah. You're like, I, oh. Uh, oh, I think I, I went know. to the I went to the bathroom. I paid the bill. I came nice. back. I came back with a to go thing for my sandwich. I put it all in, and I picked up the ketchup <laughs> bottle. And I looked her in the eyes, and I went. Pfft. 
and squeeze wow. like almost I, I all of it the out. Sound effect as you were doing. I, <laughs> it was good. I, no, it was doing it. It was that that sound was doing it for me. And I just kept looking, and I closed it up, and I said, "Ketchup is a delicacy." And I got up and I walked out. Oh gosh! Wow. Well, if you li- if that woman is listening to this right now, <laughs> we would love to hear your side. <laughs> Hey, that's because not fair. Anybody could call in and wild. say that. The, the 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 thing I did find out was that like she was related to the person that invented uh, Gatorade. So I would have oh, been. I thought you were gonna say mustard. I would have. No, that would have been great too. I'm just saying I could have been really wealthy. I mean, I could I could have yeah. been like you know mm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt by proxy rich. That electrolyte money is <laughs> runs deep. It flows deep. And here I thought That's it was just so like his creative fiction brain working. You know? I, I, I think it was like at one of our events and somewhere when we were talking about it, and it like I was jarred finding out. <laughs> <laughs> that this was this was real. So I mean, if that doesn't you know make you want to read, <laughs> that you get to discover stuff like that about Danny, just assume yeah. you know as you're reading that it it probably it probably happened if it mm. was um, an anecdote of his characters. I went uh, to a house when I was 22, our apartment in in Manhattan. It was like we were all hanging out at the bar, and we went to this guy Troy's house. And Troy had been a New Yorker for many many years. And when we went to this kitchen, somebody opened his refrigerator to like see if there was a beer or any anything in there to drink. And there was only one bottle of ketchup, nothing else. <laughs> and somebody was like, Troy, you don't have any groceries? And they started opening his cabinets, and he had kept porn in his cabinet. So he had just porn DVDs. Oh He's God. like, it's storage, just like anything else. And I was like, it is storage. This is a psychopath. They were like, is this a friend of yours? <laughs> No, he was uh, he was a fashion photographer or fashion stylist. I can't wow. remember. But anyways, they were like, Troy, you don't have any groceries? And he just came over and looked. And it was just one solitary bottle of ketchup. And he goes, New York City lifestyle. Get used to it. And then walked out of the kitchen. <laughs> oh so, I like this guy. He was cool, yeah. He was, that was the one time I was in that apartment. But uh, it, it stuck with me for obvious reasons. It, it was a lofted studio, lots of space. He, he stormed out. He took three steps and walked out the door. I just, yes. That reminds me. I used to go to a lot of... I used to go to a lot of house parties in New York where it was just... I, I would go into someone's house I'd never been to before, and I would never yes. be in there again. Exactly. And for some reason, you telling that story made me flash on this one. I was... Dating this woman from Jersey City, and uh, and I nice. was trying to quit smoking, <laughs> and so I was just walking around with a cocktail uh, straw in my pocket, mm. and whenever I wanted mm-hmm. to smoke, I would take this cocktail straw out and Probably suck normal. on it like I was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> And uh, eventually just started smoking again. <laughs> but on our walk home, it was very wintry and snowy, and I was doing a bit. Where I would, where I would be like talking, and then go, whoa, whoa, and fake because it was a lot of snow, and so like there was a lot of like it was maybe like four feet high on the sides, and it was fresh, Uh, Mm -hmm. and so I would go whoa, whoa, and then I would go head first into like a four foot (laughs) snowbank, and then come up, and I was doing it multiple times. It was getting laughs. Not bad. (laughs) I'm laughing right now. Yeah. The last time I did it. I, my, I came up and I didn't have my glasses. My glasses were like in the snow. And so I reach in to get my glasses. And as I'm pulling my glasses out, I realize that I have just done it. I've dove head first into snow. And one inch away from where I dove in was a fire hydrant. 
Oh, oh, no. And then I was just like, that's why you don't do that. That's the reason that you don't dive headfirst into snowbanks. It's a teachable moment. It's a teachable yeah, bud. I'm glad you're okay. Did you get the glasses? Sure did. He got <laughs> He got the glasses. That's important. I, Let uh, me tell you about diving headfirst into something. Please. It's a diving first into a giant bird head to earn the trust of wild birds. <laughs> yes. failing miserably. Give me Here something we go. to squawk about. Uh, Regina Sienra uh, wrote this. She is the best in the biz when it comes to bird head sure news. Is. For mymodernmet.com. Sometimes we use mymodernmet.com. Uh, a Japanese scientist studying the languages of birds wore a giant bird mask on his head for an entire year in order to trick a nest of great tits. Uh. Hold for laughter. Hold for laughter. <laughs> to allow him to approach them. Toshi, Toshitaka Suzuki, an associate professor at University of Tokyo, recently shared a bizarre photo of a man wearing a giant bird head on Twitter. And he, hey, Kurt, you're going to love it. Oh, it turns wait. out that the photo was taken somewhere in the forest of Nagano Prefecture, showing a fellow scientist who decided to wear the disguise for an entire year <laughs> in order to get close to a nest of great tits without triggering their distress calls. Ornithologists and bird behavior experts had noticed that certain bird species were capable of remembering human faces, and they would stop their usual chirping to put out warning calls when they saw individuals approaching. So basically, birds were like, that's a person, and then yeah. they would change their song. Right, but they wouldn't change it if a bird 15 feet taller than it's supposed to be shows up. Yes. They'd be like, that's normal. There's just a giant bird over there with arms and legs. I, I knew I shouldn't eat those berries man <laughs> birds are tripping out it feels like that and also it's like a giant pigeon rubber pigeon head that's uh -huh. sort of like it's so not um it's not what he was going for but yes and then it's just like a guy wearing a suit with a pigeon head well his gray tit um, suit had not yes. come in and he was bummed out and was like i gotta do this anyway <laughs> what All do right, i got one more party year. city Pigeon head. Let's go. It's, it is that level. Wow. It is that quality of pigeon head. No feathers are involved. Having wound up on the tits blacklist, uh, the Japanese scientist decided to disguise himself as a giant bird in order to approach the birds and study their chirping. At one point, the unnamed scientist <laughs> who conducts research on the behavior of evolutionary chemistry of bats and birds, what a career wow. choice, <laughs> had to approach the great tits' nest and weigh their chicks, and ever since, the birds would switch from their usual chirping to the, uh, the characteristic P2P, uh, P2P. <laughs> that was pretty good. Like uh, warning calls. P2P. I think there's a great tin uh, in here, cutie. We got to figure it out. Uh, warning calls whenever they spotted him. This made it hard for the man to conduct the research on their language. So he came up with the idea of a disguise. According to Professor Suzuki, his colleague wore the disguise for an entire year, but this experiment ended in failure. <laughs> Whenever the great tits noticed him approaching, he started, they started emitting their warning calls. Despite his best efforts, the mask did not fool the birds. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And they emitted warning calls when he got too close, hoping that they may have absolved him. He tried again without the disguise, but got the same results. This poor this guy just wants I birds to love him so 
deeply. Also, I don't know why that this article is not called Man Wears Bird Head for Full Year to Get Close to Great Tits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Ending on Great Tits would have been Clickbait 101. <laughs> And you could also put and fails miserably and fa- at the end. <laughs> did this guy? Did this guy be a scientist degree from just outdoor university, or like he, <laughs> like you can get like a trap camera and just put it on the tree next to where the the nest is. You That's don't right. even have to show up. He got it. Yeah. It's got audio. Reality. It's got video. I'm I'm questioning where this person got a degree from. He got his degree from Spencer's Gifts, okay? (laughs) In the back room of Spencer's Gifts, behind the lube, there's also (laughs) accreditation. Um, If anything, this has left him with a very funny story and hysterical pictures of him in the forest of Nagano trying to fit in, as if his efforts weren't commendable enough. Toshitaka also shared a video, which Bananimals, feel free to Google it. It is on X, but I don't think anybody else uses X anymore. So go Google this video. And it's a video of the researcher trying to put on his glasses over the mask's large beak. And again, failing miserably. It looks like the mysterious ornithologist got confirmation that birds may forgive, but they don't forget. Yay. Pretty great. I mean, to be honest, I thought him failing was going to be like the birds pecking at him and killing him. (laughs) You really really went there. I I have like a bird, like birds, I like their beaks really scare me. We have have a neighbor who lives upstairs that feeds the pigeons in the front. Are you my son. like throws it out like, the window? Throws stuff out, uh. and he, he he goes he goes, and he's he claps and he's trained like I I, I I'm not even I'm not even joking. Probably like 150 oh. to 200 pigeons wow. that are all over like on the on the roofs of all the apartments surrounding us, and he makes this does this clap, and they all come down, and it's like a humongous gust, and. Sometimes he does it like right as I'm like taking the kids out. I think he thinks that's fun. And he does. He does think it's fun. Look at the kids. He does because because the kids are like, oh wow, and I'm just sitting there being like, oh my god, we all just got encephalitis. Like what? (laughs) (laughs) We all have Legionnaires disease. Yeah, we all have Legionnaires (laughs) disease. Does that? And there's always like one or two that you know when you walk through they all fly away and there's like the one or two like sick ones that are like eh, whatever you're gonna kick me yeah. you're gonna kick me I'm, I'm not moving. <laughs> yeah, New York pigeons one out of six is missing one leg yes. uh, every time easy, doesn't matter easy. if you see thirty six there's six just hobbling along and you're like God bless you I'm glad you have wings young you, you, young you, flight warrior you got to they have to take those couple extra hops before they can actually get going. <laughs> I think the more impressive thing, feeding a bunch of pigeons and having a bunch of pigeons come when you clap, would it would be more impressive if you walked outside, snapped, and one pigeon land on his finger. Yes, that That's the be, impressive that trick. That would be very cool. Only yeah. trained Then it's the coolest one. neighbor ever. Yeah. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure one or two of them I've seen flown into his apartment, so I, oh, I can man. only imagine what the, the ones that don't get out are doing. I mean, imagine oh, that. You could do anything. If you walked outside, put your finger in the air and went, Todd, and then a pigeon came and landed on your finger. And then people would be like, make him king. He should be king of America. <laughs> Todd the pigeon. Todd. Oh, man. Todd the pigeon. Good episode name. Um, that's so funny you got another one Kurt yeah we gotta get more than three here's let's get this fourth one in here um 
it's, three. It smelled amazing, but I felt so sad. Australia's biggest garlic bread factory burns down. <laughs> oh. Ooh. <laughs> mm. I love this so much. This was mm-hmm. sent in by the wonderful Allison Rice. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Allison Rice. And this is an interesting... Um, oh, is that what happened? We were sent this for many, many bananas. This was a very popular story last week. Yeah. Um, uh, oh. well, also, you, everybody loves the smell of garlic bread. It's did your a, parent, did one of your parents when you were a kid, like nine, you guys are 90s kids, right? You were teenagers in the 90s, roughly. Um, did your mom or dad ever bring out one of those long foil sleeves of tin foil that you just put the whole thing in the oven? To me, that was like the height of culinary <laughs> excellence. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. like, and mom got the sleeve of pre-garlic and buttered <laughs> garlic bread. <laughs> Tonight we feast like kings of With old. some weird artificial green stuff on top that... Yes. Uh, <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, not parsley, it's not, not oregano. It's not really parsley, but yeah, yeah certainly not oregano. And it, mm. lo- it kind of reminds me of the ooze from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but whatever, it is yeah, good. Was I, it was. Good That's good stuff. stuff. I'm going to pick that up. I bet Costco still rips that out pretty <laughs> regularly. Sure, sure do. Um, so this was, uh, interestingly enough, this story is a thing that happens for on Bananas sometimes uh, when people send in a whole thing, but they're always just sending in, it's from a meme account, and it will just be right. a headline. Correct. So when you search this, that that article does not exist. That article was made by someone who makes memes, and it was made to look like an article. Oh, interesting. But it is based half duped. But it is based on a real thing, um, and it was in Australia, and this was in the Daily Mail, which is normally. Not very trustworthy, but uh, no, I've gotten say 60, we'll trust 60, 40, 60, 40. Yeah. <laughs> and this was written by Sam McPhee, who is the Ooh. best in the breadsness. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, the, it smelled like burning foil in a microwave. Firefighters battle blaze <laughs> at a garlic bread factory as yes, nine sir. cubic meters of baguettes go up in flames. <laughs> and then the article is just a very... Uh, a, a very hard news details of <laughs> fire and fire catching boxes and how, how the firefighters fought it. It's not interesting enough to read. Um, but that is what it was based on, where it did have like a smell thing in the title. And then someone else was just like, no, we're going to we're going to write it as a as a meme joke. Um, but didn't they do the? Wasn't there the thing? I think we may have all been living in New York or Brooklyn at the time where the city smelled like syrup for mm-hmm. like a month or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's like the big mystery. Yeah. But then I think they figured out what it was, and I think they covered it on Thirty Rock too. But it was this weird couple months where everything just smelled like pancake syrup in New York City. It was so weird. Yeah, that oh, was very yeah. strange. I do remember. Do you remember, that? remember why it was now? Yeah. I can't remember what the rationale. No, I don't. I do remember when. So when we, when I used to do Edinburgh. Um, at night, at when you were like walking home at like three or four in the morning, the air would smell like malt from the mm. Guinness factory, hmm. um, and it was like everywhere. The whole place smelled like like malt. Um, okay, or, I found like it. Should yeast. I do it? What you found it? Um, yeah, do it. I found the story here. Um, okay, Gothamist. Uh, so this would have been in two thousand nine. This happened. 
Uh, it was called the Maple Syrup Event. This is in the <laughs> New York Times, yeah. written by Michael Barbaro and Nate Schwerber. Michael Barbaro? You know who that is? Isn't he the host of The Daily now? On no, he the might New York be. Times Daily? That Hi. makes sense. I'm Michael Barbaro. He's got the most, like, <laughs> dead-sounding voice. <laughs> yes. Uh, baffled city investigators began calling them maple syrup events, mysterious waves of sweet-smelling air that periodically wafted over Manhattan, delighting some, troubling others, and vanishing <laughs> as quickly as they arrived. After each episode in 2005, 2006, and in 2009, <laughs> residents flooded. I mean, that's pretty. That's, that's a, a lot. lot. Also, you would think it was like, is this the sweetest terrorist attack of all time? Are they just making us hungry before we choke on our own bile? Um, residents flooded the city's 311 information hotline with calls. The aroma was so oh, was filed away as another vexing urban mystery until um, until now. The city revealed on Thursday that the culprit, great word, people yes. don't use culprit enough, was the seeds of Fenu Greek. Or Fenugreek or Fenugreek? Fenugreek? The the spice? A clover-like plant. Hmm. Fenugreek, a clover-like plant which are used to produce fragrances at a factory on the Hudson River in (gasps) North Bergen, New Jersey. It turned out that the city had never given up trying to determine the aroma's origin, and it had quietly created a crack maple syrup team (laughs) to remain on the case. (laughs) The North Bergen factory owned by fruit Fruitaram, <laughs> a company called Fruitaram. Yeah, it's, it's, called, it's pronounced Fruitaram because <laughs> it's from North Bergen. It's from Fruitaram. Uh, yes, exactly. This is Fruitaram. This, this is, the fact that this is an accidental story and it's the best story for the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fruitaram herb- uh, gives out fenugreek to the city. Yes, Fruitaram used their the- job just like for a year. You know, like the, who were these people that were, were they just investigating this? It's one guy driving, one guy shotgun with his nose out the window, <laughs> just sniffing, <laughs> just constantly sniffing. Nope, gotta go over the bridge, Frank. Gotta go over that bridge. The maple syrup action team. <laughs> oh, God. The smells of New Jersey. Uh, yeah, Fruitaram used the herbal seeds to manufacture food flavors, releasing a pungent, generally pleasant smell in the process. Under the right weather conditions, high humidity, no rain, the aroma would drift across the Hudson to the wow. west side of Manhattan. Uh, I think it's safe to say the mystery of the maple syrup mist has been solved, yeah. said Mayor Michael R. Bloomberg at a news conference. All the way to the top. How many, how many drunk 20-somethings were in the frying pan oh. thinking about where they're going to get their next pancakes and syrup mm-hmm. <laughs> from the diner? Where's a place? There was a, a, a Nabisco factory on Route 208 in New Jersey, mm-hmm. which is the road mm-hmm. to get to where I grew up in Wyckoff. And uh, they made the Lorna Dunes, like those yeah. sweetbread mm-hmm. cookies. Not brains cookies, but, you know, sweetbread, right? I yeah. don't know what they're called. Shortbread. Shortbread cookies. Not <laughs> sweet. Sweetbread, sweetbread is, is brains. I know. It's just sweetbread. The sweetbreads are. Organs, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. That's <laughs> different kind of cookies. Although they could also <laughs> probably be delicious, too. Who knows? Uh, but they made those cookies there. So that was in Fairlawn, New Jersey. And I grew up in Wyckoff, so that was one, two, three towns just going north where at any point in time when they were cooking, the entire area just smelled like Lorna Dune cookies. Oh, wow. And it was like so That must good. be nice. It was very nice. They ju- they just knocked it down oh. recently. 
Those bastards. Get rid of everything. Else. I did one semester at University of West Florida, which is in Pensacola. And one day I was walking on campus. It's a pretty small campus. And it was the worst smell. One of the worst smells I've ever smelled in my life up to that point. And people were like, there is a paper factory nearby. <sighs> and on the days where they're making paper, it's like what? rotten wool pulp and chemicals and stuff. And if the wind came, you would just see people walking with like their hands over their mouths and noses to class. And it was like torture. It only happened... God, it probably happened three times while I was there. But I just thought it was from like the swamps or something nearby. But yeah, that paper factory reeked it was like hauntingly bad oh wow what a fun way to walk to college class <laughs> just like Wait, didn't didn't by your parents house there's a a chocolate factory that yeah caught you on can, fire oh that's a different oh the one that caught on fire no, not the one that i grew up near a chocolate factory too and we'd be like at school like it would just like it, it smelled like hot chocolate in the air and we'd be like oh, running boy. laps you know in oh, gym boy. just like inhaling chocolate but that you're thinking there was a different one that like caught on fire last year that was sad no, <laughs> you're sorry, like you bring this down hey, me, you know you got a place it's like a chocolate water. place you burn it on fire and some people die, died sorry. that's bananas yeah. we <laughs> like that kind of story <laughs> well it was an easter and it was an easter easter chocolate and it happened like a couple weeks before easter yeah, so really yeah. there were a lot of sad easter bunnies and but wait, where did you grow up did you grow up in hershey's Oh, that's what no, I was wondering. No, this one was Blommers. It was the one I grew up near, I think Blommers. it was called. I'm, I was like an hour northwest of Philly. What a delicious PA, name. Yeah. We made chocolates. What do you want to call it? Blommers. <laughs> that sound your stomach makes when you ate something wrong. <laughs> Blommers. Oh, man. That is so funny. Well, Kate and Danny, tell us once more the names of your books and where everyone can get them. Plug, plug away. Plug, 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 plug. Well, The First Day Prophecy is available wherever you like to get your books. If you like them from the big places, you can get them there. You like them from the mom and pop shops. They might be there. You might have to say, hey, would you order this for me? And that's fine. If you don't know how to yeah. read, we have an audio book, me and Mara Wilson. And in May, uh, the Road Trip Rewind comes out about the older brother in the uh, series and... Cool. There's a bit of a Back to the Future take in there. I think they time travel in a uh, 2000 Silver Jetta, uh, much like the <laughs> 2000 Silver Jetta we had for a bunch of years. Oh, nice. <laughs> and that smelled like crayons, which is also a weird thing. Something oh, like that might be a good, hey, this might be a good story for bananas that we can submit. Mm -hmm. If you Google uh, like 99, 2000 Volkswagen Jetta smells, Ooh. people, you will find that a lot of people thought that their cars smelled like crayons. Oh. And nice. for years. Like it doesn't for years. Go away. Like it just story. always smells I, like crayons. I used to be in a, a fake uh, Weezer tribute band called the Undone Sweaters with a couple of New York comedians. And That's fun. And Re Reed Failer was one of them. And he had a Jetta. And he, one of the first times we hung out, I drove him home. He got in the car. He's like, why does this car smell like my car that smells like crayons? <laughs> so crazy. it was clearly a thing. And he's from Cincinnati uh, or, or yeah, somewhere, somewhere out there. So, All right. That'll be up next. Just saying. Could be, could be something for you to go. Smell. Yeah, the mysterious <laughs> crayon smell. And it did. And the car was a 2000 and in, in 
2018, it was still smelling like crowns. Oh, wow. So, That's yeah, it's very strange. Smell. Yeah, it's a very lasting well, smell. Troubling, Thank perhaps. So I don't much. know. Maybe it carves some years off our life, whatever we were breathing <laughs> in for <laughs> the decade and a half we had. So please buy our stuff for our kids. <laughs> 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 they were Thank only in it for a short period of time. Thank you. <laughs> Bananas. Bananas. Bananas? Bananas. Bananas is an Exactly Right Media production. Our producer and engineer is Katie Levine. The Catchy Bananas theme song was composed and performed by Kahan. Artwork for Bananas was designed by Travis Millard. And our benevolent overlords are the great Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. And Lisa Maggot is our full human, not a robot intern. Bananas. Bananimals, follow Bananas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, feel free to rate and review our little show. And of course, please visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Bananas merch.